0: We, uh, we as a group, uh, a worship team, there were five of us that spent much of this week. We got back last night in, uh, in Michigan uh, at, a, at a worship conference and at Calvin College. And uh, it was a great experience. Um, uh, Megan, my uh, 39-week uh, pregnant wife, was not exactly over the, overjoyed that I was gone for a few days. Um, but, uh, but I made it back and there was no baby. Right? So just to give you a, a little update, just to let you know... Um, She's in labor right now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I know many of you have asked uh, how she's doing. And I mean, she is right there. So it feels kind of weird talking about her. But um, If if, sometime within the next eight days we will have a a baby deck will be around. So uh, if it hasn't come before next Monday, then um, it will come next Monday. So uh, so we are excited. We certainly uh, appreciate your prayers and your your asking how she's doing. And um, so uh, thank you for that over the next eight days. So. Uh, Sisters and brothers, we are looking again this week at the story um, or at the Sermon on the Mount. We looked at it a little bit last week when we talked about the Lord's Prayer. It's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And so uh, this morning we're going to be looking at the sixth chapter of Matthew, verses 19 through 34. And so I invite you to uh, hear now these words. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin." For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we gather together this morning as your family. And we thank you for this opportunity that we have to to come to listen to your words, to your word. And so we pray, God, that just as you spoke to those aspiring disciples on that day on the Sermon on the Mount, that you will speak to us as well. Help us to hear your words. Help us to know to what it is that you are calling us. And I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen and amen. So Ben Ben Franklin said that there are two certainties in life. And those two certainties in life are what? Death and taxes. Well, if I were Ben Franklin, I would add one more thing to those certainties. And that is worry. The reality is that all of us, if we are honest, worry. And some people have called this kind of the age of anxiety, And I'm not really certain that that's really the truth, because the reality is that all ages are ages of anxiety, right? I mean, Jesus was looking out, this was more than 2,000 years ago, and he is looking out and he is talking to people who are, they're anxious, they're worried, they're wondering about money and about security and about all these things. So it has been going on for a very long time. And not only has worry been happening across or for a long, uh, many, many generations, it happens also, of course, across generations, meaning people who are younger worry about things, people who are older worry about things. And as we were talking about this particular passage a couple of weeks ago or so at a staff meeting, uh, someone said, you know, I wonder what ZPCers worry about. Well, that's a good question. And so what's the best way to find out what ZPCers are worried about? To ask them. And so we did. Last Sunday, we asked ZPC, what are you worried about? And here is what they said. So I worry about, like, school and generally grades. School and sports and maintaining all that with, like, friends. Hi, I'm Missy Keeney, and I worry about my kids. Greg Lanham, what do I worry about? Well, I worry about a lot of things, but um, more importantly, I probably worry most about my family. I worry about worrying, because we're not supposed to. We're supposed to hand it all over to God. My name is Carly Lanham, and I just worry about school and friends and um, just my walk with Christ, staying strong through college. That kind of scares me. I'm Davis Judd, and I worry about school. I'm Robert Murphy, and I worry about everything. I'm Carson Canfield, and I'm worried about the future. I'm Taryn Rice, and I'm a junior in high school, so I worry about college a lot and finishing high school and getting into college. Hi, my name is Mark Argentine, and uh, I worry about oftentimes living up to other people's expectations. Okay, I'm Lisa Price, and I tend to worry about most things. Like, I worried about how my hair looked before this video, and <laughs> how my kids are, and um, I just worry about pretty much everything. My name is Ben Jones, and I say I worry about germs, but you can never be too careful. My name is Nancy Crabb, and as far as worry, uh, probably health issues at this time in our life, uh, for both Jim and me, and even sometimes for our children. Well, I'm Jim Crabb, and I think what I worry about at my age uh, is falling. I have so many friends who do that. I worry about my extended family, my mother, my brother, his kids. My name is Joe Loudenback, and I worry about my grandkids finding their faith in Jesus. My name is Carly Moore. And I think the thing I probably worry about most are the things outside my control. My name is Julie Boyle, and the thing I probably worry about most is when someone's traveling and the roads are iffy. My but name is Craig Boyle, and I worry probably most about um, whether or not I can provide my family. My name is Laura Nelson, and I worry about the health of my children. My name's Laura Gangstad, and sometimes I worry about saying just the right thing. My name is Todd Nelson. What I worry about is the uh, safety and security of my children. My name is Kurt Street and uh, I worry about just day-to-day little things. Uh, taking care of family, uh, work, um, just little stresses that are on a, a day-to-day basis. Hi, my name is Steve Winning, and what I worry about is just the direction that the morals of our country are going and how that affects my family. My name is Will Cunningham, and sometimes I worry about not being good enough. Well, we are a people who worry. But Julie Boyle, don't be worried about driving today because the weather conditions are amazing. So, um... Where are people who worry? And the thing is, of course, is that we know... That we're not supposed to worry, right? I mean, everyone tells us this, you know. Uh, you know, I mean, doctors tell us, scientists tell us, don't worry because it's not good for your health physically, that if you if you worry, it's gonna be bad for you physically. And 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 most of us are logical enough. We know that by worrying, it doesn't actually change anything. And yet we continue to worry. And and we realize, as someone kind of said, that we're we're not supposed to worry, that we're supposed to depend upon Christ and upon God and, and, and believe that God has uh, is in control and yet we continue to worry. And one of the things that seems to me as well as I was thinking about that this week is is something else that happens when we worry is that we oftentimes begin to shut down. And what I mean by that is, as I was thinking about my own life, kind of uh, thinking about um, whenever I had a a physical kind of uh, infirmity, if you will. I had a a heart issue here, I don't know, several years ago now. and, And I was pretty worried. And before I had to go to see the doctor, I thought, oh my goodness, something's wrong with my heart. This isn't going to turn out well. And I couldn't even talk about the future because I knew that there wasn't going to be any future. I didn't have a future because something bad is happening and I could not stop thinking about it. And so, But I also couldn't think about anything beyond it because I just thought, this is it. Right? And it began to shut me down. Right? Or, or when I started thinking, I knew that a job was coming to an end, and I couldn't find another job. And so I started thinking, Oh, my goodness, why should I even try to find another job? Nobody's going to want me. And so I'm not going to go anywhere. And so I started thinking, Well, Mom, we're going to move in with you. And this made Megan really happy. And so and, 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 but I couldn't, I couldn't think of any other option. Right? I mean, I just began to shut down. Right? And, and this happens, whether it's relationships or money or security, all of these issues, that when we start worrying, we, we, we tend to not be able to think that there's any hope, that there's any possibilities. Perhaps another way to say it is that it skews our vision. We don't see things the way we should see them when we are worried about money or about anything else, about security or health. We, we don't tend to, to look at things, especially not the way that God sees them. Which, of course, is interesting in light of what Jesus is saying right before he talks about worrying, where he begins to talk about our eyes. And he says that the eyes are the lamp to our body. And if our eyes are seeing, if they're looking and finding light, then the whole body will be full of light. But if our eyes look out and see only darkness, that that will dark, that darkness will come over all of us, that we will live under a shadow and so if we are worried about things, we will never see the hope and possibility of what can be. If we are worried about money, and if all we're thinking about is money, then it makes it more difficult, as Jesus tells us, to think about investing in treasures in heaven, because all we're thinking about is, is what are we going to do here? And it shuts us down. The whole thought of hope or possibility is lost if we are worried about things. And so how does this shape our understanding of looking for the kingdom of God, or as Jesus says in this particular passage, looking for ways to invest in heaven. You know, oftentimes we think about, okay, we need to stop doing this, we need to stop doing this, but sometimes it's helpful to kind of look at where are the possibilities And so if we think perhaps differently than just let's not do this, let's not do that. Let's think about what does it look like for us to look at the world around us with the light coming through our eyes and to see where are the possibilities? What does it mean for us? Again, what are the good ways in which we can invest in the kingdom of God and treasures in heaven? You see, I think a lot of times our own imagination and our own eyesight is severely restricted by worry by fear about money, and also by our own lack of imagination. So when it comes to thinking about how do we invest in heaven, how do we think about the kingdom of God, we end up oftentimes thinking only about churchy kinds of things, right? If I come to worship on Sunday, I'm investing in heaven, if I read the Bible, I'm investing in heaven. If I, if I go on a short-term mission trip, like we're talking about today, opportunities you have to learn about those, then I'm investing in heaven. And all those things are good and right. Okay? Don't stop coming to worship. Don't stop reading your Bible. Don't stop thinking about going on a mission trip. But what I am saying is that they are not enough. That is a limited imagination that sees that the only way to invest in heaven is by the churchy things that you do. Think about what Jesus does in this particular passage. Jesus is sitting there and he is surrounded there at the Sermon on the Mount by a bunch of people who are doing what? They are worrying. Worrying about money and clothes and security, right? And so there they are and they are worrying. And Jesus, as he sits there and as he's teaching, he's looking around. And what do you think he sees? A bird. He sees a bird, right? Why not? If you're outside, how often do you see a bird? Pretty frequently, right? If you're driving, you might see a bird deposit something, right? Birds are all over the place. They're very ordinary. And so Jesus is sitting there and he's trying to kind of help people to see about kingdom living and about investing in the treasures of heaven. And he sees a very normal bird. This is not some kind of zoo bird, not some kind of exotic bird from Australia. This is a normal, regular bird. But when he sees that bird, he says, when you see this bird, do you see the kingdom of God? Because I do, when I see that bird, I see, I see, wow, you know what? This is clearly, God's taking care of this bird. Clearly, God loves this bird. He's working with this bird. This bird has food to eat. And all of a sudden, he sees kingdom opportunities by looking at a regular, ordinary bird. All of a sudden, he begins to show them how they can learn and perhaps invest in heaven by looking at this one bird, right? And then he goes on and what does he see next? Because it's clear this is not working, right? The people aren't, "Eh, okay, maybe. So what else does he see? You guys are getting this. He sees a flower. Now, is this a fancy flower in the museum or underneath a glass case like in Beauty and the Beast, right? Uh, uh, Too many kids movies. So is this a special flower? Is this the most unique flower in all the world? There's only one of them? No, it's a lily, right? Maybe some kid is sitting there. Maybe it's another flower that he's picking. Whatever it is, it is an ordinary flower. And Jesus looks at this ordinary flower, and all of a sudden he begins talking about beauty because beauty is a part of the kingdom of God, right? God made this world beautiful, right? And he sees this normal everyday flower, and he says, oh, I see something in this. He has the eyes and the kingdom imagination to see the possibilities. And he says, look at this. Look at this. It's beautiful. It's more beautiful than Solomon's uh, temple. It's, it's the most beautiful thing. And he begins to show them how this ordinary, boring flower can show them something about the kingdom of God. Remember, he's not at Yellowstone. He's not at the Grand Canyon. He is looking at a regular flower and he sees the kingdom of God. And one of the things it seems to me that we have done a horrible job of when it comes to the church is by helping or expressing to you all that, by and large, the only place to really be investing in the kingdom is when you are doing things uh, here at ZPC. And so as I was kind of thinking about that and kind of wrestling with, with what does it mean for us to see ordinary things and to see kind of kingdom possibilities, all of a sudden I was reminded of a very boring brown house. Now this boring brown house is a house actually that I uh, lived in uh, for a month. Do we have a picture of that boring brown house? There it is. Okay. Does everyone recognize this boring brown house? Okay. Some of you do. If you kind of, if you, uh, you can see kind of in context of the church where that boring brown house is. And Megan and I lived there for a month uh, this last summer. It was, uh, it, it was a boring brown house. Okay? It was a fine house, but there was nothing spectacular about it. You could easily look across the street and see houses that are much more beautiful, much more interesting. You could drive almost anywhere and see houses that are a little bit nicer, maybe. But you know, somebody, and it wasn't a, wasn't a pastor, it wasn't a staff member, it was just some guy. And for some reason, this guy, when he looked at that house, you know what he for some reason, I don't know why, he, he said, you know what, maybe, I, this sounds weird, but maybe something kingdom, maybe, maybe we could invest in, in heaven in some way with this typical boring brown house. And so and so that was the idea. And, and I don't know, a year or so ago, maybe it was floated out there to some folks. And they said, well, well, yeah, maybe we could do something with that. And, and, and maybe, you know what? Maybe, I mean, it's a, it's a fine house. There's nothing all that interesting about it. It's not gonna be found in any kind of museum, any place. Uh, it, it's not gonna make, you know, Zionsville's greatest sites. But 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 maybe, you know what? What if we opened it up? And, and what, if, what if two or three guys could move in here? Guys who maybe have had struggles in the past, as many of us have. And, and maybe we could host them in here. And maybe this would be a place where they could we could help them get, get them back on their feet again. And, and maybe that they could kind of invest in, in ZPC and, and what might we learn about the kingdom through these guys. And, and, and you know what, I mean, I know the house is not that much. It looks as boring as a bird or a flower over there, by the way, no flowers at this house yet. And so, but, but, but maybe we could do something with that house. And so that was what was the genesis of the Jeremiah house that we've been talking about. And here again, the house didn't just appear how long has that house been there? I don't know, but it wasn't last year. And so then we did, you know what we did? So then we brought it before you guys and we said, you know what? We think that we want to do this thing called the Jeremiah house. We're really excited. Wheeler mission downtown is excited. And, and we want to do this. We want to bring a couple guys uh, up here and, and we want to do this. And we had no idea what you guys were going to think. Right? And, and we really didn't know, but we, we threw it out. Right? And, uh, and, and, and we were very excited that you guys seemed to like the idea. In fact, because someone had the initial idea to stoke the kingdom imagination and to begin to see things a little bit differently when they saw a boring brown house, someone else or a group of folks actually started saying, well, you know what? I mean, the kingdom of God is absolutely about helping people and loving them and and being for them spiritually. But you know what else? The kingdom of God is also about hospitality and about warmth. And Jesus received people and he cared for them. And so maybe we should do something else with this brown house because inside the brown house, it's not that great. And so I said, you know what? Maybe we can do something. And so, so, so they started doing things. And we don't really have uh, before pictures, but if you want to know what it looked like before, uh, well, we do someplace. But if you also want to know, okay, out there, if you also want to know what it looked like before, um, come talk to Megan. And so... Um, and so people started saying, well, you know what? Maybe we could paint. And so they began to clean, and they began to paint, right? And and they began to provide furniture. And you can uh, keep looking. Let's go to the next one. And you can see that they, all of a sudden, they said, hey, you know what? This kitchen wall doesn't look that great. Let's put subway tile. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's beautiful, isn't it? Remember that Jesus pointed out the bird and the beauty and, and thinking about the importance of beauty in our lives. And so so all of a sudden, then we have a kitchen where the guys can get together and can, can eat together and can prepare something, right? And then and then they kept working. And so we see here, we got, we got kind of new linens, and, and we've got, new, we got a nice uh, new dresser, and we've got some, some uh, what are those things, curtains for the closet, right? And, and that's starting to look good, right? And so then we went to the next thing, and, and the next thing, you see, that's just, this is another room, and a couple people who have, been, who have been working on things, and, and uh, all right, what's next? And then we have kind of this, right? So we have more furniture, you know, you've got all those windows looking out, this is great, right? And then, and then somebody said, and we, we looked at the next one, they said, you know what? not only that, but what could we do more? And they, so they thought about a quilt. And if you see on that white chair, you see a quilt. These quilts, and there's, there's two quilts at least that are there, but maybe three now, are for the guys. And when they're done, you know what? They get to take the quilts with them. And, and, and so some folks from ZPC said, let's build, let's make quilts. And we'll keep making quilts for people because there's opportunities and, and people have begun to invest money. And, and, and there's garage, the garage door looks hideous, but someone's given some money for a new garage door that'll, that'll be there sometime in the next couple weeks. And all all of a sudden, what in the world happened? A year ago, we had a boring brown house. And yesterday, two guys moved into this house of kingdom possibilities. And the only thing that happened, nothing changed on the outside. What happened is that people began to see kingdom possibilities and the opportunity to invest treasure in heaven. And just because of that, as a snowball effect, all of a sudden we see these remarkable opportunities to be a part of something bigger than just ourselves. And I think that's pretty outstanding as an example of what can happen. But it certainly does not mean that we are done. Because the thing that I've been most impressed with one of the things I've been most impressed with, when it comes to ZPCers is that you guys, you guys are go getters. But again, one of the great tragedies is that too often the church has told its folks that the place to go get it is what you do here at ZPC or at whatever church you are a part of. And as I was thinking about this message this week, one of the things that became clear to me is that when it comes to ordinary things is that we need for you all to begin to see opportunities and ordinary things that you are doing in your own lives and to begin to see them as opportunities to invest in heaven, to be about kingdom work. So what does that mean? Well, that means this. If you're an attorney, that's great. But I wonder, as you look at what you do as an attorney, do you you see it as a a way to make a living? Or do you also see it being about justice? And about the justice that God wants in God's kingdom. Micah says to do justice, to love mercy. It is a remarkably important call. And so as you sit there and as you're doing your court cases and whatever else you're doing as an attorney, do you see those as opportunities? Do Do you see ways that you can help bring about justice? Or if you're a teacher, do you see your lone job as just making sure that your kids are passing their tests and that they're moving on to the next grade? That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But do you also see it when you look at these kids? Are you looking at kids as Jesus looked at children? And are you taking seriously that Jesus says to welcome these children? And what might it look like if you, when these children come in, if you begin to say, how does Jesus see this child? that's called investing in heaven. What about doctors? I know we have several doctors who are here at least and that gives me comfort with Megan being here right now. But when you look at these, when you look at your patients, are you just trying to make them feel better? Or do you also look at them perhaps like Jesus looked at those who were looking up to him for healing and for comfort? And how might it look a little bit different if you began to think about your patience in that way? Or what about those of you who are who are experts in beauty, if you will? Maybe you're an architect, or, or maybe you, maybe you're a hairstylist, or maybe you're a landscape artist, or, or, or maybe you mow lawns, whatever it is, beauty is important to the kingdom of God. And do you see yourself as adding beauty for the glory of God? Or do you just think you're you're making a building or cutting someone's hair? Or what about you business people of which there are a great abundance here? For those people who are working for you, are you investing in their lives or are you just wanting them to help you to make more money? Are you actually looking at and asking and and questioning, how can I care for this person as Jesus would care for them? And, And what are you making? And is it in some way helping to propel the overall kingdom of God and looking at it like that? Or what about you stay-at-home mothers or fathers? Right? Several months ago now, I was talking to mops and someone, you know, um, our mothers of the preschoolers, and someone was like, you know, a mom was like, you know, I mean, it's kind of hard in the midst of kind of wiping noses and behinds to be thinking about how this is kingdom work. Amen? Thank you. (laughs) Out of the mouths of babes. And so one scholar this week, as I was looking at this, said, you know what? Those times when you're brushing your child's hair, you know, and I know what that can be like. I've seen Megan do it, right? It's not always the most joyful of times, but maybe that might be the two or three times the whole day that you get to actually touch your child. And when you are touching somebody in that way, it is kingdom stuff. Because when Jesus was healing and working with people, guess what he would always do? He rarely just said it from afar. He would oftentimes give them a physical touch. There is something about building relationship in that that says this can be kingdom work. Now look, this isn't just something where you just keep doing what you've always done. Just put a stamp on it. This is investing in heaven. No, this is different. This is saying, I believe that if I can go in and begin looking at things as a way of asking, am I investing in heaven? Am I about the kingdom of God? How does that change how we see things? Because I'm fully convinced of this, that if we go out with a different eyesight, if we go out with a different vision and we begin to see how Jesus is working in these ordinary ways, whatever it is we're doing and whatever vocation to which we are called, that as we begin to see this, guess what? We have a lot less time to do What? To worry, and I'm pretty convinced that if we begin to see Jesus work through ordinary ways, through an ordinary lily or a bird or a court case or a brown or a brown uh, what was that thing a brown house? If we begin to see Jesus work through those things, then we also begin to realize, well, Jesus really does care about these ordinary, mundane things. He he may just care enough about me to be able to be in control of this, and I can let go. We have choices. We can either spend them worrying and finding things to be anxious about, or we can spend them going out and saying, Jesus, show me where the kingdom of God is going to boil up. Because I believe that ZPC, there is no program that we can do that will make as much of a kingdom impact on this world as each of you genuinely believing that the kingdom of God can appear each and every day wherever you are. We could have the most exciting program in all the world and it will not be as impactful as each of you going out to whatever job it is that you do and saying, where is the kingdom here and how can I invest in heaven? And if we can begin to do that, then we will begin to see Jesus work more and more. And our faith and our trust in him will grow, it seems to me, to the point that some of those worries will finally begin to fall away. Not because of anything that we have done, but because of the way that we have seen Jesus at work each and every day. Can we see differently? And if we do, how might that change our understanding of the kingdom of God? So I was thinking about that with communion.